0: Welcome, everyone, to Creating a Family, talk about foster, adoptive, and kinship care. I'm Dawn Davenport. I am both the host of this podcast, as well as the director of the nonprofit creatingafamily.org. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to many a foster, adoptive, and kinship family's heart, and that is the holidays with children who have been exposed to trauma. Trauma impacts our kids. We know that. And it's confusing sometimes how that impact happens. And it seems that so often during the holiday season is when we see a lot of the impact. And there are good reasons that that is the case and that we'll be talking about. So I'm especially happy to bring you this show at this time of year. Our guest will be Rebecca Robotham. She is a licensed clinical social worker at Beehive Counseling and Wellness in Connecticut. She is also an adoptee and a former foster child. This is a re-airing of an episode we did several years ago. It is as timely now as it was then, so I hope that you enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed re-listening to it as well. Welcome, Rebecca, to Creating a Family. Thank you for having me, Don. I'm
1: so excited to be here today.
0: Well, there are so many sources, sadly enough, for trauma for children. And many adoptive and foster kids have experienced trauma before they come to our homes. And we're talking about things like neglect, prenatal exposure, Mm -hmm. abuse, domestic violence, and, and actually just the actual fact of a child having been removed from their home, or if it's international adoption, removed from a child welfare institution or an orphanage. that is That in itself is traumatic. So let's start by talking about how trauma can impact kids. And, and I know that that could probably be, that could be a course in itself for the full semester. So I'm going to ask for the crib note version here. So let's talk about some, how trauma can impact children.
1: Yeah, so trauma can impact children in so many different ways, um, both physically and emotionally. Um, some of the physical aspects of trauma can be, uh their Their behavioral changes, you know, whether they're clingy or crying more or having um, increased tantrums. Um, sometimes children can even get aggressive during the times if they're having a triggering moment. Um, the other thing is children can often experience somatic symptoms such as headaches, stomach aches. Um, you can see the increase of like sulkiness or anxiety or just appearing to be really down. Um, And so I always say for all parents, like, and especially for parents who have children, um, adoptive or children, um, if they're serving as foster parents to really check in with the child to find out how they're doing and and what may be happening with them.
0: Mm -hmm. And to be, at least if they see a change in behavior, but to be aware that trauma may be Mm -hmm. at the root of, of this change. All right, so yeah. we are entering the, the holiday times and uh, times of joy, times we've looked forward to oftentimes, many for, for many of us for the entire year. So, what is it about these, these holiday times, especially those concentrated in, in really starting in Thanksgiving, uh, well, starting in Halloween, really, but then moving into the Thanksgiving in October and then many of the religious holidays in December? Mm-hmm. What is it about the holidays that makes it hard for kids who've had trauma?
1: Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of things that contribute to that, um, and especially with trauma, and I always explain I used to be a program director for a foster care program, and one of the things that I really had to emphasize to foster and adoptive parents is to understand the actual or symbolic loss that the children have experienced during that time, um, and oftentimes to not always take offense to the changes in their behavior because oftentimes it is trick it's a it's a it's a triggering moment for them um, and holidays can really create that um, think about even in our own personal lives that sometimes holidays can remind us of all of the wonderful joys and togetherness and looking forward to being with family and friends, but it also reminds us of the losses that we've experienced. And oftentimes, at least as adults, we, we've we developed the skill capacity of being able to say, you know, I'm not doing so well because of the holidays. And just children, depending on age and development and skill level, that they're still kind of sometimes struggling with the language of being able to express that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A- another thing that I think of, uh, is the the thing about the holidays that sometimes that I look the most forward to is a relaxing mm. of our routines, but that relaxing of routines can be very dysregulating for well for all kids, but in particular for kids who have experienced trauma.
1: Absolutely, the overstimulation of that just just think about. Tons of people coming into the house, most likely changes in routine, changes in diet, additional sugar, (laughs) additional fats, like (laughs) stuff that we normally take in moderation is a little bit different during those times. Um, It's like we have excess and plentiful, you know.
0: Well, yeah, and, and that's part of what we look forward to. And and we also sometimes kind of put some of our, our family rules by the wayside. You know, if mm-hmm. if grandpa is having three slices of pie or, you know, a slice of every pie that's on the table and, and, and Junior wants to to follow suit, everybody smiles and allows it. And then afterwards, Junior is bouncing off the walls or Junior's throwing a tantrum and, and is perceived as a brat. But in fact, Junior is on a sugar high at that point.
1: Yes. Yeah and junior probably just needs a little bit of extra space and some time to be able to cool down. Um, so it's really <laughs> important. Um, I'm hoping with most um, foster and adoptive parents that they've received some training on the impacts of trauma um, on children so that they can understand to not always take offense to those behaviors. Like sometimes a child isn't just acting out to be acting out. There, It may be, it may be a deeper issue or they're just simply overstimulated. Think about your four-year-old who's had too much candy, or they're overtired, and all of a sudden, they have a meltdown, It's not because they're Mm -hmm. acting out, it's because they're simply tired, um, and they Mm -hmm. need a break.
0: Yeah, you know, and another thing I think about in uh, for the holidays, is the unbelievable buildup of anticipation. And we as adults, Mm. feed that oftentimes, because we're trying to create magical moments. So they're presents wrapped under the tree or if you're celebrating Hanukkah presents wrapped and and, and presented in the evening but with the anticipation that that's coming and, and yet we're not allowed to open those until the appointed time and then there's going to be Santa Claus coming and there may be an elf on a shelf that you've got to find and 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 worry about so there's there's all of this anticipation and and We feed it as adults oftentimes because we think that our children will like it, but I guess that that also brings, I guess it's a different type of overstimulation, but it also brings overstimulation.
1: Yeah, that you've made a really good point. And and once again, it's really important as the foster or adoptive parent to really kind of check in with the child to find out what were some of their traditions. Maybe they had traditions or maybe they didn't have any. And so they may not even know how to respond to certain things, or maybe they come from a totally different cultural or religious background. So really, how how can you incorporate their customs and and religious beliefs and into into the new family's celebration and holidays? Um, so it's really important to check in. I always say that sometimes we have to be creative of. How can we still surprise the child, but making sure that we're meeting their needs at the same time and understanding their needs and their customs and traditions?
0: Mm-hmm. You may have heard me remind you before, but we have 12 free courses on our website. These courses are supported by the Jockey Bean Family Foundation. It's through their support that we're able to offer these to you. You can get to see which 12 courses are at bit.ly slash JBF support. The courses are directly relevant to those who are actually parenting, so be sure to tell a friend about it and check it out at fit.ly slash JBF support. You know, another thing that makes me squirm a little because this is pointing the finger at us parents, but another thing about the holidays is that often we as parents are distracted. They're Mm. You know, sisters and brothers or parents coming in there's more food to be cooked There is the oh gosh, did I get enough presents for you know? Oh, I forgot to get you know, uh, my ne- nieces and nephews something or Let me count up the presents i've gotten for my kids and is it all even and then there's there's holiday parties So we're going out more so we as parents are not as present oftentimes during the holidays and and that lack of presence uh, I would assume, could also impact our children's behavior.
1: Absolutely, and so I would encourage parents to be mindful of that, right? Once again, check in. Sometimes um, it's really important for children to still validate it. Um, and oftentimes, especially, think about all the changes that they're experiencing, especially if it's a new or adoptive home, and the the fears or even the misbeliefs that they may have. Um, And so it's important to just kind of check in. Um, And I know that gifts and the holiday traditions are so important, but sometimes it's really just wanting to be with that parent, just maybe checking in with them and to see what it is that they need. Um, And sometimes it's not always a gift. Sometimes it's really about spending time with that child, um, getting to know them a little bit better um, and helping them to kind of. Slowly help them to feel comfortable in being a part of a new family system.
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I totally agree with you. I think that that most parents anticipate with brand new kids coming into the home that they they anticipate some of this behavior. I think what often catches them by surprise is when the child is not brand new, and and mm. it, the one thing that we hear, if I could choose one phrase that I have heard, uh more often than not from parents is the word "sabotages." They will say it feels like the child Mm. is sabotaging the holidays and that can look like different things. And some of the things that we've heard from parents would be that on Christmas morning, the child refuses to come down or throws a fit while everybody is opening presents or the child uh, runs away the day before, or it feels like Mm. that, again, the word that parents will often use is sabotage. Uh, Have you heard of that in your, in your practice as well?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I really want to emphasize is that once again, traumatized children often, things from a different lens, right? Trauma can really change the brain and how we look at the world around us. Um, and so with children, because of the abuse and neglect that they've experienced, that they always, there's sometimes this fear of abandonment. And oftentimes children will sabotage a situation to see sometimes, and they, they, it, a lot of times it's not done consciously. Um, it, mm-hmm. Most of the time it is done unconsciously to see, is this person going to stick by me? In my worst moments, will they stay there?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Will they take the time to understand me? Um, and so it's really important for the parent to kind of take that back, really to let the know, let the child know, like, look, we are here for you we're going to be there, we understand that this might be hard for you, but also setting the appropriate limits and boundaries with them too. Because don't forget, children naturally are going to test their limits. And so there really is a balance in parenting during that time, but also really important of validating, you know, even a child that you've had in your care for a while, or you've adopted maybe even since birth to say, you know, it seems like you're having a really hard time right now. Let's talk about that. Um, And what's going on with you? And we're concerned about your safety. So validating maybe how the child, definitely how they're feeling, but the behaviors that you're also observing, but also kind of holding them accountable at the same time to say, look, you know, you have to stay safe. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, just because we're telling you the things that you have to get done doesn't mean we don't love you. We're still here. We're still going to support you. Um, but it's our job to make sure that we're keeping you safe and that we're providing for your needs at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, and if you think about the word sabotage, it it's implicit in that word is intent that the child mm. uh, to tap, to sabotage something means that the person who is doing the act is intending the act. And I think it's helpful to pull back and think through all the things that we've just talked about earlier about things about the holidays that could be triggering for kids and absolutely to, yeah think through those things and so shift kind of shift the mind your mindset from sabotage to I have a kid who is struggling right now as opposed to I have a kid who is sabotaging my holiday and my enjoyment yes. and kind of you know ruining uh ruining my mellow here so uh, so yeah the, I think that 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 giving doing that bit of a mind shift is, is a helpful thing to do
1: absolutely and um I would just like to add too is make and building that relationship and trust right so children are you know once again this is not always intentional and and nine and percent of the time it isn't intentional but children need to trust their caregivers um and so as the parent um you know, some I've I've heard different things of, well, you know, they're not coming to me, but it's also our responsibility to go to them um, and to really try to help form a trusting um, relationship with that child um, and to make sure that, you know, it's cohesive. Um, and if you're struggling, don't be afraid to get help. You know, this is what, mm-hmm. this is, this is, I mean, this is what I'm here for. This is what many <laughs> mental health professionals are here for is to provide that support, even during these, um, you know, joyous, but sometimes difficult times.
0: Mhm. Exactly. Okay. So now we're going to move into the practical stage of this interview. <laughs> the, what can parents do about it? And, and, and I want to start by saying that if this has, if you have a brand new kid in your home, you should be expecting that the first holiday season can be difficult. Mm. But if you're one of the people who has written us and uh, uh, Facebook or sent us uh, private messages or emails or whatever, talking about how the holidays can be difficult with your kids, which you, you've seen it in the past, so if nothing else, you can make a plan. You can anticipate whether your Mm. child is new or if they've struggled in the past during the holidays, you can anticipate that they're probably going to struggle again. So I think the number one tip would be to come up with a plan of how you're going to do things differently this holiday Mm. season. So now let's move into, all right, so number one, come up with a plan. All right, so what should be, what are some of the things that parents might do differently this year to address now, you've mentioned one, I'll throw that out there, and 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 it is the find out if, if your child has had traditions prior to coming into your home. Try to find out what Absolutely. those traditions are and incorporate some. Yes. Okay. So can you think of another tip? Yeah, the biggest thing that children with
1: trauma have experienced is the loss of control, right? A lot of decisions have been made for them. Um, without mm-hmm. necessarily, sometimes without necessarily their say. And so Uh-oh. in Very order often, to really yes. kind of, yes. Yeah. So in order to really form that relationship and to, and to have a plan, incorporate them into the plan, especially if the child is verbal, what is it that they mm-hmm. would like? You know, if they're feeling unsafe, what are some things that they can do? How do you teach them skills and emotional regulation? You know, so it's it's really finding out, like I always say, to, to watch the behaviors and to figure out how, how do we adjust the plan or how do we incorporate the child into that um, so that they feel safe um, and so that they feel like that they have an outlet where they can talk about their feelings so that they're feeling validated.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, I'll throw out a tip. Uh, as much as we sometimes as parents want to let go of the routines – it is important for most children, I think, to have the basic routines kept in place.
1: They mm-hmm. can st- and
0: on certain nights they can stay up uh, later, but for the most part, bedtimes should be about the same. Uh, the times the kids wake up should be about the same. The if they take a nap then that needs to be continued. If your habits are to have bedtime stories and prayers before bed, that needs to kind of stay the same with the exception. on, On one night, you can bend it. But if you're going into a season, you need to be thinking in terms of maintaining the fundamentals of your routine. And if you do that for most of the time, you can get away with things slipping for a day or two.
1: I, I absolutely agree. Um, the and, and I would also like to add is if there's going to be a change in the routine, let the child know. Say, hey, today, yeah. w- the things mm-hmm. might be a little bit differently because, uh, you know, there's going to be A, B, and C going on today. So your nap time might change a little bit or you're going to go to bed a little bit later than usual. Um, so maybe let's talk about how you can get some rest in between that or what do you feel like you might need to kind of help you feel supported during this time, if anything, you know. Um, So once again, children do better when they're prepared for circumstances, kind of the same thing as adults, right? If someone is saying we're going A, B and C and no one is telling you what's going on, but you just kind of have to go with the flow. Well, sometimes that's okay. But I, I I find that most people in general do better with knowledge, right? If, so if I know mm-hmm. that things are going to change a little bit, then we can kind of prepare for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. And you know, here's an, this, even if you have not ever used, or it's been a long time, a visual schedule is sometimes mm. really doesn't have to be fancy, but a visual schedule that uh, just sticky notes stuck to the refrigerator that kind of outlines the basic format of the day. We're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to have lunch. Then everybody's going to have a quiet time. And then grandma and grandpa are going to come around three. You guys can play outside. Then we're going to come in and just the basic and you can do it with pictures if your kid is is written I mean can read you can do it that way even if it seems simplistic and you haven't done that for a while just knowing that if your kid is struggling having a visual routine is also very helpful
1: I agree absolutely whether it's either written down or They have a visual that they can see Um, and just you remind them that, you know, sometimes some children get really stuck to time. I've noticed, Um, especially children with like maybe ADHD or autism, they kind of struggle sometimes with like, well, you said we were going to be doing this at three o'clock. So to let them yeah. know that this in in between these times, I always tell people, parents who say, you know, between three and four, we're going to be doing, you know, this. And it might be that way you have a little wiggle room, you know. So yeah. you, as a parent, you don't want to set yourself up too much, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to set yourself up for uh, more problems because let's be honest, especially during the holidays, keeping to a really tight routine is going to be hard. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so give yourself a little wiggle room. It's good. Okay. What about handling the buildup of anticipation? Thoughts on how to handle that? The surprise element, the surprises, I mean, the the anticipation, the excitement of what's coming, Mm -hmm. if that's dysregulating for a child.
1: Yeah. Once again, that's really about communication, talking to the child, right? Some of us do really well with surprises. Right. And but then sometimes some of us don't do so well with surprises. And so finding out who your child is. Right. Are, are they super excited about the element of surprise? Or does it make them more anxious? And if, if, if you if you see that it may make the child more anxious, then let them know that the surprise is going to be something positive, that it's something that they will potentially um, that they should enjoy. And maybe giving them a little bit of hint of what it could be, but not necessarily disclosing what it all is. Um, and just really communicating with them. If what are their fears around that? Um, exploring their emotions. Like, are they feeling, um, sad? And there's, have there been times where, you know, they've anticipated something, but have been disappointed? Um, and so once again we're not sure where those emotions are coming from, but as the parent communicate with them, talk with them, explore with them
0: yeah i there was a really wise mom that uh is part of our online support group, and one of the things that she she had a child who was uh in her words sabotaging the holidays and had been doing mm-hmm. it, and she was anticipating it, and she was she realized that her child really struggled with the concept of surprise. She both had Mm. unrealistic expectations of what things might be. In other words, I mean, she was going to be getting something in her mind that the family simply didn't, you know, she was 10 and was thinking she was going to get the newest iPhone or something along those lines. Or she just couldn't stand the that was how she started manifesting when she got older But when she was younger, she was opening presents, you know sneaking down at night opening hers opening other people's And the mom finally realized this is a child who for the the surprise is not good. This is not it's it's for me I want to see the magical moment when Mm -hmm. they open their presents on Christmas morning This is a family who celebrated Christmas and she said, that was for me, not for her. So she shifted and she had this child, this daughter, help her wrap all the presents, including her own. She wrapped the presents Uh for all the siblings. She wrapped the presents, her own presents. And she said it miraculously took care of all the problem, that the child then had realistic expectations of what she was going to get. She wasn't wondering what she or what other people are going to get. And it really helped settle her down for the holidays. And the mom said it did not seem, in, in for this particular child to in any way decrease her enjoyment, which is what the mom was afraid of, is that it wouldn't be as... As fun on Christmas morning. And she said, actually, it seemed to be almost more fun for this child uh, to anticipate what other people were going to be opening or to guess which of the presents she was going to be opening was what. So anyway, I I throw that out there is that sometimes we're doing things for ourselves as parents Mm. because we want the magical moment for our kid, but it really isn't what's best for our child.
1: Absolutely. And smart and creative mom. I actually really appreciate um, her thought process and her idea of doing that. Because once again, Mm -hmm. the holidays, especially for children, it's less about the adults and it's more about them. And so finding out once again, what is it that they want? You know, how many times children in foster and um, who've been removed from their families and no one has ever asked them, what is it that you want? What makes you, what, what would make you feel okay? What would make you feel safe during this time? What would lessen your anxiety during this time? You know, it's really kind of, once again, getting to know the child. I always say the, as a psychotherapist, one of the best skills that we can have as therapists is really engagement. Um, And so finding ways to engage your child, finding ways to support your child. And I love the idea that that mom did. That was awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: And, and sometimes we have to be a sleuth because our children may not be able to articulate mm-hmm. what it is they're feeling. But what this mom was able to do was intuit it from her child's behavior. She could yeah. see that all that this, all the things that were driving her crazy about her kid's behavior, were had to do with the child wanting to know what was happening, what wanting to know what was coming. Yeah. And so it it occurred to her. So you may have to be a sleuth because our children just like ourselves and our partners uh, are often not able to articulate uh, exactly what we want absolutely yeah so let's talk a little bit about the uh, the buildup of anticipation as to having to do with the quantity of, of gifts coming into the home do you have mm. a thought on that I I will share that I do I think that children shouldn't be getting huge amounts but I I do appreciate that uh, there are there are There are families where that is part of their tradition.
1: Yes. um, Once again, I always say, what is the purpose of every gift that you give? What is the purpose of it?
0: Like
1: I think because in some places, children get very little, you know, or it may be something really small that they're really appreciative of. And then you have some places and some cultures and families and countries where children are getting a surplus of gifts. Mm -hmm. Is it really needed? And, you know, mm-hmm. my answer is going to be, you know, I think it's based on the family, but I also think it's helping children to understand the purpose of receiving the gifts, but also the purpose of giving. And 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 giving can be done in so many different ways. It's not always through gifts. It can be volunteering your time. It could be doing something really kind and helpful to another person to me that is that, that that is a great gift as well. Um so I would say especially for for most families, I know how we stress so much over purchasing gifts and making sure that everyone has something that they need or want. Uh, but maybe talking to the child, what is something that you really, really want for the holiday? Um, Something that you've really been kind of looking at and you're really anticipating of, you know, possibly having and maybe doing like a list or something that's reasonable, like a couple gifts. Um, And then also often maybe, especially if it's part of your family tradition, maybe taking that child shopping to see what they would want to get for someone else, right? Because there's that joy of giving and receiving. Um, But Mm -hmm. having like 30, 40 gifts, 20 gifts under the tree, I'm not quite sure if that's necessary or not. You know, I, I, I would say I would lean more to the no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do as well. Um, I, I, uh, have had discussions again in our uh, Facebook support group and I it had to shift a little. I mean, our family has the, again, we celebrate Christmas. So we have the, the, the three wise men brought the baby Jesus three gifts. So that's what Santa brings you. And mm. so we kept it that. And so we, we keep it pretty and then mom and dad have a, a wrapped gift under the tree which is usually a book so th- we keep things pretty simple but i i did have to appreciate that for mm. for some for some people that really did not feel at all good uh, which is funny because it feels it feels so good to me but it doesn't for everyone but one of the things that we hear is this is much more the case with foster parents Everybody wants to give foster children presents over the holidays, and sometimes these families are totally inundated with tons of toys and and often, you know, toys that are going to break and fall apart and have lots of pieces. And and, uh, Mm. how do families, what would you suggest for that? Uh, for families, and sometimes they have the ability to say no. We really don't want, you know, especially because the presents are only coming for one or two members of children that are in the family. But other times, it's really hard for foster families to say, stand up and say, "We don't want all of these gifts," uh, because the child is saying, "Yeah, I want them." <laughs> so, what would you suggest for foster parents who are facing an onslaught of of gifts uh, from well-meaning people, of course? for their child. Of holidays. course.
1: And I, I think that we sometimes we want to, I think the, the, the thought is, as well, we want to give the children's maybe stuff that they haven't had, or mm-hmm. we want to, we want to support them in that. But once again, it's not always about the gifts. You know, it's about mm-hmm. time. You can have all of the riches. I've seen people who are very rich, but are very sad. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it really shows you that, yes, it's it's good to have what we need. Right. Because we all have need our basic needs met at the same time. Gifts are not everything. And so it's OK for the foster parents to say, especially if they realize this is getting a little too much. It's OK to set those boundaries, you know, to mm-hmm. let cause, um, especially for foster parents, I know that most likely they're gonna have a case manager or a foster care worker that often comes into the home or there's gonna be a lot of do donations that come in. Um, you can simply let the worker know and say, hey, we we have enough, You know, please feel free to give that to a family that may need it more. Um, the mm-hmm. other thing, if a child has a surplus of just stuff, then even for my own child, I say, we're going to clean out some things. Let's let's pick a bunch of items that you 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 don't want anymore or that you're simply not using and we're going to donate those items and I make the child a part of the process.
0: Oh, well, that's a good idea. But, and do it beforehand too. um I do know of a family that says for every for every thing we put on the toy shelf, we have to take something off. So, mm. you know, kind of that thing that if we we need to clean out before Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa so that we can make room for what new things that we are going to be getting. Yeah. That I like. And then the yeah. talk to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't
1: forget about the activities too, you know, which is really important. Like sometimes children just want to spend time. They want to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to share a meal together. They want to do a special activity
0: together. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and considering giving a gift of an activity rather than a gift of something mm. tangible, uh, subscription to uh, Six Flags or uh, or a, a, a local museum that your family likes to go to, a children's museum that so all year you can appreciate that, or a day shopping trip or something along those lines, where it's the gift is the activity, I guess a shopping trip is really not that wouldn't be a good one because that's your that's involving again <laughs> presence. but uh, it's the activity that we're looking for a, a gift of an activity or absolutely. Lessons, you know, uh, yeah you can you know uh, go to the give you a membership at the rock climbing gym you know that type of thing mm. yeah that that would be something absolutely and, and I guess in summing it up there is oh this goes back to what we said at the beginning of of our tip section on shifting the mindset from uh, the child child who is sabotaging to a child who is struggling, and and mm-hmm. the, uh, the the corollary to that is don't take it personally. It's hard when your child is tantruming mm-hmm. or is picking with their you know picking on their sibling or not going to bed, or uh, or doing any of the other number of things, because this is a busy time of year for you as a parent as well, and it's hard not to think mm-hmm. that the child is doing it to you, but if we could shift our mindset from not, and to, to not taking it personally, it goes a long way to helping you think of in, in implementing these other tips that you have suggested.
1: I agree, I agree 100%, and for all parents too, uh, whether it's You know, especially for foster and adoptive parents, don't forget to care for yourself as well. You know, I think sometimes that gets lost because sometimes when we're able to regulate, we are much better people when we're able to regulate our own emotions, right? But if we're feeling frustrated and angry, that oftentimes gets projected onto the child and they're just crying out for help or they're struggling with kind of identifying and regulating their own emotions. Um, So don't forget to care for yourself during this process.
0: Oh, That is a perfect closing note. Excellent. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much, Rebecca Robotham, for being with us today. Rebecca is with Beehive Counseling and Wellness in Connecticut. And just a reminder, guys, the views expressed in this show are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of creating a family, our partners, or our underwriters. Also, keep in mind that the information given in this interview is general advice. To understand how it applies to your specific situation, you need to work with your adoption or foster care professional. Thank you for joining us today, and I will see you guys next week.